Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Official Gears Podcast where we talk about everything from mouse ears to butterbeers. It's Brian and I are Alan here as always and we want to thank you for joining us once again as we continue our episode uh, of our series dedicated to the 50th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, we are on episode 64 and we only have two episodes left, Alan. I know this one and one more, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy for the series. Quick. Yeah. Um, We're flying through it. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, we, we do have some exciting things coming up uh, you know, in October. So looking forward to that. But it's kind of bittersweet when we end a series because we've spent so much time and energy going through this series, talking about all of our fifty different things that we really love about the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, haven't hit all everybody's favorites, but we hit ours. So um Hopefully we hit most of all the listeners' favorites, but, you know, time to move on. Like I said, we got two left. That's right. Getting through them. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if you guys missed our last episode, then uh, just to give you a reminder, we did talk about five more of our favorite things from Walt Disney World. We talked about Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort, Chef Mickey's, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, Tower of Terror, and Why You Need a Rest Day, What to Do on Your Rest Day. So uh, again, we've got this week and next week, uh, finish up our series. So uh, any other things you want to see, maybe make next week's episode, make sure you shoot us a message, let us know. We'll be happy to talk about those. Uh, And again, in this episode, we're just going to keep talking about five more of our favorite things in no particular order. Uh, So one resort, one restaurant, two attractions, and a miscellaneous item that adds a little bit extra magic. So uh, where are we going to stay this week, Brian? So we're going to start this episode off by talking about the Boardwalk Inn Resort, which is located in the Epcot Resort area. Uh, so you've got Boardwalk, Swan and Dolphin, uh, which is not technically a Disney resort, and then Yacht and Beach Club over there as well. Uh, this week, like I said, we're talking about Boardwalk. Um, I love the Boardwalk Inn. It's uh, one of my favorites just because of the theming with it, which basically is the turn of the century Atlantic city, Coney Island type feel. Uh, you do have a real boardwalk out there. You've got all your buildings and everything that face the boardwalk out, uh, overlook the water, um, which then you keep a good view across from uh, yacht club and beach club. Uh, but it's full of entertainment on the actual boardwalk with the carnival games. There's usually street performers out there, uh, pre COVID, hopefully post COVID, uh, you can rent Surrey bikes. There's dance clubs. Uh, there's some wonderful dining options. They have movies under the stars out there. They do yoga over there in the mornings. Uh, it's just a wonderful resort to go and um, stay at or even just walk around. Even if you're not staying, just just take a day, walk around there. Um, this is one of the uh, resorts that has the deluxe villas. So they have several different suite options. They uh they have several different options for if you have a party of five, they have several different sleep options for that. They have some pull down beds along with the two Queens. So it's good for large groups or large families. Um, it's good for kids. It's very kid friendly. Uh, and then it's good for people that love to eat. And that's where we're going to kind of start talking about, uh, the dining options. You have Tutoria Al Forno, which is breakfast and dinner only. Uh, the breakfast is a character meal with Rapunzel, Flynn Rider, Ariel, and Eric. This is the only time that you'll get to see Flynn Rider and Eric, unless it's just kind of a special occasion. Now they are not having the character breakfast at the moment, but when they do bring it back, it is one of the best character meals that I have ever had. It's really good food. It's different pastries, um, sausages, meats, things like that. Um, 
then you've got the character interaction. Flynn Rider will actually teach you how to smolder if you do not know. Uh, <laughs> it is it's just a phenomenal uh, experience for breakfast. And then for dinner, you have your classic culinary, uh, Italian culinary options. Uh, another favorite over there is the Big River Grill. And I know this is one that you like, but it's, a, you know, basically your American pub favorite type food uh, for lunch and dinner. They also have a working microbrewery over there, which I think is really cool because they you can actually kind of see how the process works with all that. It's not very big, um, but I mean, it's, you know, just specific for that restaurant. And they've got several different award-winning beers over there. Um, and you also have the Boardwalk Bakery, which is amazing. Uh, you get all, all your little pastries out there on the Boardwalk. It's just you walk in the, the side of the, of the shop, pick up something, Um a little upset that the ice cream window is closed. That was one of my favorites. Uh, but you got Beaches and Cream over at, at, at Beach Club. Um, there's a pizza window, some phenomenal pizza over there. Then you have the Abracadabra Bar, uh, which has got alcoholic beverages that taste like magic. And the reason for that is because the story behind this bar was this is once where all the famous magicians and illusionists and all these people came and uh, got their start. And then they just kind of left that little bit of magic behind uh, for the bar and the, um, uh, shoot, what are the people that call them? Mix your drinks. Bartenders. Bartenders. Uh, <laughs> mixologists. Uh, yeah. Bartenders. Yeah. Magical so, mixologists in there, maybe? They have some really good uh, concoctions that they come up with in Abracadabra Bar. Uh, they have the Fly and Fish, which is premium seafood and prime steaks. And then also, oh, if you have so some good. It, it really is. I, I love the Fly and Fish. Um, and it's one of those, you can get some really good steaks, like we talked about in Epcot and some other places, but it's kind of hard sometimes to find signature sit-down type meals outside of parks, uh, but still stay pretty close. And, you know, if you're at Epcot, there's nothing wrong with going back, taking a break, uh, eating flying fish, and then headed back into Hollywood Studios or Epcot. Uh, and we'll talk about why Hollywood Studios here in a little while, but... Um, if you have somebody that's, you know, has to watch that big game or whatever, they also have the ESPN club at the boardwalk resort as well. And I mean, we kind of flew, flew through a lot of those restaurant options. I love Tutorial Forno. Um, there's so many different ones. I mean, you could spend all week just eating at your resort here and be completely content with that. Like, and like I said, Tutorial Forno is my favorite. Do you have one on there that you really, you guys really like? Um, so I haven't done tutorial for now and I've seen that how popular that is in that breakfast. So, um, that is on my list as, I, as soon as the character's back, I really want to go back and do that one. Um, uh, and big river grill was really nice. Um, uh, but you know, flying fish, if you want a really, really good, like foodie kind of meal, flying fish is that if you're into like seafood and things, um, I mean, it's not seafood, but they did have an amazing pork belly appetizer. I mean, you could just cut that pork belly with a fork. It was so good and so flaky. Yeah. Um, but all the seafood and everything we've had has been really great. Um, yeah, there's just great places in there. We, we have, you know, gotten a snack at the bakery. We've stayed at the boardwalk. Um, we actually stayed club level at the boardwalk, which was really nice. So um, when you say club level in the club in the evenings when they're doing um, appetizers and foods and stuff, they usually send somebody up from Flying Fish, one of the chefs to come up. Uh, and make things in the club level appetizer area. So, yeah, that was yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, that I love all the uh, the room options that 
they have at the board block. Uh, like I said, they've got their standard king, queen options, but then they have the fifth sleepers. Uh, they have several different suite options with the villas included. So it's really great for, like I said, people with large parties or just, you know, a big family of five. You know, if you have three teenagers or whatever, it's kind of hard for, you know, them to have, even with that fifth sleeper, that's kind of hard. So having those suite options where you have a little bit more more room really helps out. Um, we didn't talk about jelly rolls or the piano bar because we just don't really know what's going on with the pianos. Um and Jelly Rolls is, they do have a date for that one to be to re, be reopened, but uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be the same as it Yeah, was Jelly before. Rolls was the oh. dueling piano bar down at the end that was really nice. Yeah. And then they had that um, other Atlantic Dance Club down at the end. That always had like a Lawrence Welk kind of feel to me when you went in. They had like the big band area and the those like stands and stuff in front of them. Um, but it was a big, beautiful place and they often had, you know, great music playing and you could go in and dance and do swing and stuff, but That's right. yeah, I it's a pretty cool resort. Was the piano one. Yeah, I, can, I can't remember the name of the, the, the dance hall. Um, Atlantic dance. Yeah. It's Atlantic yeah. dance. But, uh, so we don't have any information on that one reopening. It's jelly rolls that we do, but they're not, they don't have the pianos going at the moment. I don't believe. Yeah. That's a great place. So it's a lot of fun to go in there. It is, especially like when they're, they're going back and forth. Uh, it's 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 just really cool because they really get into it. And then it, it makes the people sitting there in the restaurant get into it as well. So, yeah. yeah. Fun time. but Great resort, too. Yeah. And, and like you said, walking distance to Epcot, that's one of the reasons we did club level there is because we figured, mm-hmm. okay, we can pop back from Epcot, take advantage of the club level stuff, um, or either, as you were going to say, take the Skyliner or um, Watercraft yeah. back so part of that transportation. Some of the reasons why we love it, like you mentioned, um, it does have three incredible pools. It has two leisurely pools, so you can go and just kind of relax. Uh, but the biggest pool is Luna Park Pool, and that is a carnival-themed pool area uh, with a water slide that looks like a uh, small roller coaster, to be honest. It's got the wooden uh, roller coaster feel to it, but it's just a little water slide. And at the end, you come out through, you used to come out through a clown's mouth. Uh, I was going to say, they, they, big change they, here. Yeah, they recently <laughs> changed that. It was a big controversy. A lot of people didn't really like it. I don't mind the Mickey, Minnie, Goofy uh, mural down at the bottom. Uh, I think it adds a good feel to the resort. Um, yeah, I mean, it's in theming don't. with everything they're doing lately with the kind of uh, Mickey, Minnie, Runaway Railway caricature mm-hmm. like of the characters. Um, yep. They look like that. And a lot of people have issues with clowns and that that was kind of yeah. a funky looking clown that you came out of his mouth yeah but it is it's pretty cool little carnival themed area they do have a uh, a little restaurant over there and a, a pool bar uh they also have a kiddie pool right next to it and a playground over there as well so uh nice little area over there for families to go and enjoy a rest day or just taking a break uh you do have the bus transportation to magic kingdom and animal kingdom um just like always and then you have the skyliner to hollywood studios you are at the Epcot Skyliner stop, so it won't go to Epcot. Um, it just goes no, to you Hollywood just gotta Studios walk. at that point. Yeah. Uh, then you have the Friendship Boats to Hollywood Studios and Epcot. And then, as you mentioned, you have the five-minute walk to Epcot and about a 15-minute walk or so to Hollywood Studios. I really like the fact that you can walk to Epcot and Hollywood Studios from this and Beach and Yacht Club. And some days that mm-hmm. 15 minutes that walk to Hollywood Studios is a really nice, enjoyable walk because you've been in the theme park with lots of people. You may not want to get on a bus. 
sometimes people don't like the Skyliner because of wind or if it's not, you know, runner or whatever, that 15 minute walk kind of gives you an opportunity to just kind of de- decompress. It's very peaceful. There's hardly anybody on that walkway. And so you're just kind of, you know, walking and just kind of like have a moment to yourself, which is very hard to do when you go to a theme park. Yeah, that's true. So. It's it's a nice option. It's it, a nice it option. really is. I mean, it's when price wise compared to the other deluxe resorts, I feel like it's on the lower end, um, which I really like, of course. But uh, I, I love the Epcot resorts. I, I love the opportunity to just be able to walk or use a Skyliner. It saves so much time and frustration when you just, am I going to get on this bus? Am I not going to get on this bus? If I get on this bus, do I have to stand up? You know, I've got the stroller yeah. or it's just, it's yeah. options is what we really love. And you've got a lot of options at the boardwalk. Yep. And like I said, walking distance to other resorts, if you want to try some other things. So yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, um, one that should be on your bucket list. If you haven't stayed there, yep. you can it's grab some pizza cool at the boardwalk. Walk over to Beach Club, finish your pizza, get some ice cream, and walk back to Boardwalk. And then you stop at Abercadabar and have a calorie, have a have a cocktail. Yeah, Abercadabar. Or um, a Swan and Dolphin. They've got a really good bar over there as well. They do have a couple of nice lounges over there. No, so, yeah. So. All right. Speaking of lounges. Speaking of lounges, I know you gave this one to me on purpose, right? <laughs> no, I, it's just kind of the way it went. We rotate, and you just happen to get this one. I know. So, uh, all right. So, our restaurant lounge today, or this episode, is going to be Oga's Cantina. So, uh, if you have not had a chance to do Oga's Cantina yet, this is at Hollywood Studios. It is over in the Galaxy's Edge section of the park. So, you have to you know, take a trip to Batu to go and visit Oga's Cantina. Um, Oga's not in there, but the uh, staff will tell you what she's been up to lately and things like that. Um, but this is basically a place where bounty hunters, smugglers, traders, and weary travelers come together to refuel, enjoy music, you know, conduct some meetings, no questions asked. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty cool little place. Um, we have a DJ in there that you might rec- uh, recognize if you are a Star Tours fan. So um, Rex, who used to be the pilot in Star Tours, is actually um, now in Oga's Cantina. He's moved on from Star Tours, and now he's actually DJing in there. So that's kind of cool. You'll hear some. uh, hmm? I I would say that's an upgrade for him, to be honest. I think so, too. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's an upgrade. He wasn't a great pilot to begin with. So, you know, he was still getting used to his programming. Hopefully, yeah. But and you you might hear some music and things you rec- recognize in there. There's some pretty cool songs, um, but it's a cool place. So once you go in and you get inside, um, this is pretty much a lounge. There are a couple of um, let's say appetizer items. Mm-hmm. I, I will be very honest, the snacks here were not my favorite. They're, they're if okay. you're hungry, if you're really hungry, there's other options. Eat outside. This is more of an experience type thing. Exactly. Go here for the experience. Go here for a beverage. They have alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages, which I'm going to touch on in just a second. Um, But the only snacks they have, they say they have some light offerings, but the only snacks they have really are um, Batu bits, um, which they say are crispy galaxy snack bits with spiced tremola dip. Basically, they're pork rinds. (laughs) They're pork rinds with like a, a dip on it. And then they also have a sampler platter which has some cured and roasted meats, cheese and pork cracklings, which is those pork rinds again. Um, We tried it. 
it was okay. Um, if you want uh, like a sampler platter or, or um, a meat and cheese board, go over to baseline tap. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a lot less. You could get double at baseline yeah. tap for the same price. Um, but if you want food, definitely go over to talking by seven or uh, Ronto roaster, but inside uh, Oga's, you're going to get some really cool options. So one that's really neat is called the Fuzzy Tauntaun. Brian didn't like this one at all. <laughs> um, so the Fuzzy Tauntaun, it's made with um, peach vodka, um, peach schnapps, simply orange with tangerine, pure cane sugar, and it has buzz button tingling foam on the top. Yep. So yeah, it was the foam. It's the foam that everybody's like, what? So this one has foam on the top. That. Yeah, it's made with some sort of pepper. Uh, that they make this foam out of and it actually makes your lips and tongue a little bit numb when you uh, get to drink this drink. Yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting. I, I'll have one here and there or we'll get like one to share so everybody can kind of try the foam and see what it's like. Uh, not my favorite of all the drinks, but uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, they've got, you know, basically a little bit of everything. Uh, most yeah. of the drinks here come in a really cool glass. Some of them have like dry ice in the bottom so that they bubble and, and look really cool. Some of them have those little boba balls that they're putting in things all over the property. It's like those little um, juice balls that are inside them. It's like a starburst. Um, Not a starburst. What is the uh, the candy that you bite into and like stuff like squirts on your mouth? I can't remember what those. Yeah, it's not starburst. What is that one? Nah, it's... it's like a fruit chew you're talking about. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite drinks um, is the Jedi Mind Trick. So it's got uh, grapefruit, uh, rose vodka, um, Blue curacao, grape juice, lime juice, grapefruit bitters. Um, it's pretty cool. It's a great drink. Um, the one that was really, really expensive was the jet juice. So the jet juice was basically, you, they won't give you very many of these. It's the strongest that they have. Um, and then you can also get the outer rim. The outer rim is kind of like a margarita, but it has this really cool black salt uh, and a like a fruit mango puree on top of it. Um, it was pretty interesting. There's one uh, of them mm-hmm. that you uh, you get to keep the cup if you pay for the... the... Yes, it's a little pricey, um, but that's called the Yub Nub. So yeah. this one has Malibu pineapple rum, uh, Sailor Jerry spiced rum, citric juice, citrus juices, and passion fruit served in a souvenir indoor mug. So if you're a collector of some of those things, this is one of those ceramic, kind of like um, you find over at uh, Trader Sam's. It's like a ceramic bug. It's got a whole carving of Endor and there's like X-Wings and the Death Star over it and um, the Ewoks fighting the Imperial Walkers. It's a pretty cool little collector item. Um, it is $45 with the alcohol in it. Um, if you don't like the alcohol that comes in it, um, they did say they can basically put anything else in it as well or just sell you the drink and the glass extra. Um, so that's something cool. Now, if you are somebody who doesn't want to do alcohol, they do have quite a few choices for you there as well. Um, they do have the hyperdrive, which is Powerade, Mountainberry Blast, white cranberry juice, black cherry puree, and Sprite. So that's kind of cool. Um, you can get blue milk here. The blue bantha is here. It's non-alcoholic, uh, blue milk served chilled with a bantha inspired vanilla butter sugar cookie on the top. So the cookie kind of looks like a bantha. Now, Brian, you and I had that when we were in there one time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was, it's different. I, I would have that again. I felt like we had the blue and the green at that time, though. Mm, in there, I think we just had the blue. Did we? But we might, yeah. Might have had, we might have had both outside. 
It was, um, it was pretty good. It, it's a lot. Um, yeah. But it is pretty good. Yeah, one is enough usually, for yeah. at least for me. One's enough. And even um, sometimes one is, is kind of a lot. Like, I mean, if you're super thirsty, you can get through that one. But sometimes because it's kind of thick, um, you know, some people have a, have a hard time getting through that one. Yes, definitely. Um, there's one other thing here you can get if you are non-alcoholic and you also want another um, mug. There is the uh, Cliff Dweller. So the Cliff, Dwell- Cliff Dweller is citrus juices, coconut, hibiscus grenadine, and Seagram's ginger ale. So no alcohol served in a souvenir Porg mug. So that's my next one. I got the Endor mug last time we were there. So I need to get the Porg mug next time to round out my collection of those. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then also they have beer, wine, cider, some things like that as well. Um, the beer, there is another collectible item here too. Um, it's a little expensive. It is $85. So it is a beer flight with a Rancor teeth board. So basically it's got a ceramic kind of holder, like a little table with four legs. And there are four Rancor teeth in it. And each one of them is kind of like a shot glass. And they sit inside this little... Um, board and so you can get a flight of you know four different beers that are there um, with the souvenir board that one's really cool too Um, i do collect things like that and i I do have several of the glasses from trader sam's so it's on my list to get um they do have a green beer in there so that's kind of cool too if you want something very uh space like they do have that i mean again those those mugs and things like that. I mean, they are kind of expensive, but again, you're paying for the experience here, really. I mean, the drinks yeah. are really good, but the whole idea is the experience that you're going in, and this is the the atmosphere that you're getting in Ogas is is really what we thought we were going to get all over Galaxy's Edge. Um, I yeah. mean, the cast members are really interacting to you. Um, I mean, they're they're servers, but they, I mean, they're really like get to know you, they entertain you the entire time. And it's a really small um, restaurant or, or lounge. So it's a very popular place. People really need to get reservations for this. Um, and this way that, you know, if, if you're going to try to experience, that's about the only way that you can do it is, is by reservation. Uh, but I mean, we've had some really good servers there. You can also go in and stand up if you don't want to sit at a table. Uh, if you have a large group, they have several booths that can fit large groups. So it's just a really fun atmosphere. And, you know, the last couple of times we've done it, we we did it as the park closed. So yeah. we got to walk through Galaxy's Edge at night with nobody in it. And, I mean, it was so cool to see that as well and get some really good pictures. But if you're a Star Wars fan, Ogas is definitely a place you have to go to. Uh, even if you're not a Star Wars fan, just kind of pop in and, you know, if you can and just see what it's about, uh, grab a drink. And like I said, if you don't want the alcoholic versions, you can get the non-alcoholic. If you get the non-alcoholic Jello versions, you pretty much just get Jello. Uh, I figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, everything we've had there, though, has usually been pretty good. I mean, the fuzzy Tauntaun, I didn't care for it at first, but once I got past the fuzz, it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was yeah, just the cocktail itself is OK. Part. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did forget to mention that. They do have this um, this other snack, I guess. I don't know what you would call it, really. Um, th- there's one with alcohol and one without alcohol, like Brian said. They are the uh, Rodane Ration, 
um, which is with alcohol. And that one is Tito's vodka, um, Decupper Pucker Sour Apple, Green Apple Sprite and Boba Balls. Um, basically, it's it's like a dish jello shot kind of thing. Um, the one without alcohol is called Oga's Obsession. Uh, it's Minute Maid Premium Lemonade, cotton candy flavoring, uh, blueberry popping pearls with a burst of dried fruit mixture. So it's it's an interesting little, I guess, snack. Yeah, but Something I mean, they, they, were, they, were, they were good. I mean, it tasted like a drink, honestly. So. And you got the non-alcohol one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were... It's an interesting little snack in there, but it is, yeah. it's a great place. It really has the feel of Star Wars. It, and when you first walk in and look behind the bar, it's kind of like um, if you grew up with Star Wars, it's kind of like the first time Luke walked into the cantina yeah. and the whole bar area kind of has that same kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, the servers are great. That They make or break the place sometimes. Um, yeah. Our server, the last time we were in there was hysterical. He was great. Yeah. Um, he, he was having a good time with us. Um, yeah. So he, he actually just it was towards the end of the night and he actually just brought us like a scoop of foam so everybody could try it. Yeah. <laughs> it was that good. Was kind of interesting. Like he, he was, he was real good. And then also he gave us all the coasters, um, you know, yeah. the souvenir coasters and things. They like do that. have he collectible, was... you know, those little cardboard coasters in there. So there's like five different ones, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's yeah. a fun, fun place. Definitely go in and check it out. Um, you know, whether you're a hardcore fan or not, it is a cool experience. Yeah. Try an out of this world cocktail, either way, alcohol or not. So, speaking of hardcore fans, we mm-hmm. are headed over to Magic Kingdom and we're going to hit one of the hardcore Disney classic people's favorites. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna jump aboard um, Peter Pan's flight. And this is something a little new to us because you and I we we haven't talked very much about classic rides on here as far as the true classics so far um so i believe this is our one of our real true classics if it's not a roller coaster uh that we've done and so basically the peter pan's flight is was inspired by the 1953 animated classic peter pan of course um it is located in Fantasyland, uh, right behind the castle. You'll take a like if you go through the castle, you'll take a left. Uh, you'll pass Mickey's Philhar Magic, and then there is Peter Pan's Flight right across from uh, It's a Small World, and it is modeled after the classic ride at Disneyland uh, in Southern, Southern California, which is one of the few remaining attractions from opening day in 1955. So, um, of course, this one has gone through several different refurbishments. Uh, they've recently, I guess, within the last ten years or so. Uh, upgraded the uh, animatronics and painting scheme in it. So it's a little more neon um, paint in there. So you can kind of see the characters and their interactions a little bit better. Uh, I really love this one because it starts with the queue. Uh, The the interactive queue is amazing here. Yeah. Your your junior begins uh, basically in the interactive queue that invites you into the Darling Home, which is where... um, the darling children, Michael, John, and Wendy, uh, all grew up. Um, Nana makes an appearance in it as well. And uh, you kind of go through the queue. You stroll through the nursery where, uh, you know, it's Michael, John, and Wendy's room. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Tinkerbell makes an appearance in there as well. Um, you just got to kind of keep a lookout for her. There are some hidden Mickeys in there. There's some other little Easter eggs in there that kind of keep your eyes 
uh, busy while you're, you're waiting, this attraction typically gets a pretty long wait. And the reason why is because it, one, it's a classic two, it's Peter Pan and three, like it's basically for all ages in any height, even babies can go on this one. So yeah. uh, once you go through the queue, um, you kind of go through the outskirts of London. You kind of go through the backyard. You see Nana's doghouse. Uh, then you get on your individual little pirate ship that will seat up to three people. Um, I don't know if they'll let four on it if it's two small kids or not, but uh, I know they'll at least do three. And that pirate ship kind of starts flying through the air as if it's got pixie dust on it. Um, then you go through all the different scenes of the movie through Peter Pan. And then you get to the ultimate fight scene at the end with Peter Pan and Captain Hook. Everybody knows the story. Peter Pan takes over and then you're, pirate ship comes back into the um, loading zone. It's really fun for kids. It's, it's great for adults because we all grew up with Peter Pan. We all have dreamt of flying. Um, if you look closely, you know, the little mermaid may make an appearance. Um, you get to see certain things in London that uh, are kind of um, hidden Easter eggs. It's just, it's full of surprises and, uh, bright colors and, and just kind of things to make people stay engaged throughout the ride. Uh, again, it's not a thrill ride by any means. It's not supposed to, it is a small ride. It's designed for kids, but it's fun for everybody. Like everybody loves the Peter Pan flight ride. It is. It's pretty cool. And it's a pretty unique ride system too. Like it was built for Disney. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you get, it's the, the vehicles kind of move on this like overhead borderline coaster track as you glide through um, but it's just, it's so neat. It's the, the black lights in there over London are really cool. Um, it's, it's just a really cool little telling of Peter Pan, the story. Yeah. Yep. It is. But hopefully Peter, Peter Pan, Pan will be, yeah, hopefully he'll be making appearances outside there again pretty soon. I have heard stories of him occasionally walking along again. So we shall see. You yeah. know, normally he is, he's seen very early in the morning, uh, somewhere by his attraction, he'll grab a guest and he'll just kind of walk through uh, the park with them. Um, he'll be looking for a shadow. Uh, so hopefully he'll be back out there doing that kind of stuff again. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a great attraction. If you've never done Peter Pan, you really kind of have to. It's a classic. Um, it's totally worth the trip over there just yeah. to go and see it. It is one of those, though. I know everybody wants to run to Big Thunder and you know Space Mountain and all those. But if you've got little kids and this is on your priority list, it's one of those I would say do it early, as early as you can in the morning because that line, like I said, sometimes can get up to about an hour wait. Yeah, it's super popular and unfortunately doesn't have a really high capacity. So yeah. that's what drives that line up a little bit too. You know, you can put, you know, two but or three people to moving. a seat. It is. It's constantly moving. You can only get two or three people to a seat, but that's what kind of slows it down a little bit. But yeah. totally, totally worth it if you haven't done it. Yep. A classic uh, attraction. Everybody's got to do it. It's like the Haunted Mansion. Um, Winnie the Pooh, how the, the train cars just don't stop. They just constantly move. So you got to get on that moving walkway in order to get on. But yeah, it is, it's kind of slow, slow paced. So it does take a little while. Yeah. And nothing scary. It's fun. Nope. A little, little nope. dark sometimes for kids, but nothing scary. No. 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 So we have another attraction we want to talk about. Um, we're going to go back over to Epcot for this one. So um, you can monorail hop back to Epcot now, if you didn't remember that. So you can go back out of the Magic Kingdom, take the monorail ticket and transportation center, and then transfer on that Epcot beam over to Epcot. 
So glad to have that back. But over at Epcot, we're going to go on um, a super popular attraction, and that is Soren Around the World. Um, most people know about Soren. Uh, if you haven't done it, again, it's another one you really have to try. Um, so Soren is located over in um, the future world part of Epcot, over in the Land Pavilion. And you go inside the Land Pavilion, and basically you're going to take like a hang glider ride over many of the um, iconic locations from around the world. So you're going to see things like the Great Wall of China, the Great Pyramids of Egypt, the Taj Mahal in India. Um, you're going to fly over um, Monument Valley, uh, see Lao Island in the Fijis, um, thunder over I Igazu Falls in South America. People think it's the uh, um, Niagara Falls, but it's the one down in South America. Mm -hmm. uh, look at the Eiffel Tower as it sparkles like a jewel in the night. Um, you know, over the Swiss Alps, see a, a castle that was um, basically some of the baseline for what they did at Cinderella Castle. Um, it's an amazing attraction. You can soar over elephants and go through Mount Kilimanjaro. It, it's a beautiful ride. Now, this one does have a height restriction. It is a 40-inch height restriction. It's pretty slow and gentle, this ride. Um, I will say the one thing is, is if you're not a fan of heights, this might be a little nerve-wracking for you. Um, but it is super gentle, super comfortable. Um, this is a great ride. So you basically go in, um, you know, like you're going to take a hang, hang glider flight around the world and you strap in and the vehicles lift up into a big dome um, where everything is projected kind of almost 360 around you. Um, mm -hmm. You really feel like you're there. So it, it's an amazing, amazing attraction. Again, super slow, super gentle, but because it's high up, there is that height restriction. Um, we, I, I'm not a heights person. This one does not bother me at all. I'm more comfortable on this than I am on the Skyliner, and I've gotten pretty comfortable with the Skyliner. Um, this, this one really doesn't bother me at all. I did take my brother on one of our trips, who um, is not a super fan of heights either, and... I feel like we had to like hold on to him for this ride. <laughs> he there were um, there were a lot of curse words coming out of his mouth while we were on it, and I was like, "This is so slow and like mellow and like just like don't look down, just look out. If you just look out in front of you, it's not so bad. It's just like yeah. being in a movie." Um, yeah, so that that was an entertaining uh, surprise on that one, um, but it's a great attraction. I, I uh, so I. I love Soren. Um, you would have to pay me a large sum of money to to uh, um, parasail or um, take one of those hang gliders, you know. But Soren is kind of you feel like you're hang gliding, like you said, it's very slow paced. Um, but I, you know, I don't. I guess because I don't focus on the height or whatever, because there's there's three different rows. Um, and if you're on the bottom row, you're really not that high. You can see the floor, but if you're on that top row, you really don't see anything. It's it's not bad. It's it's really not. Um, it is something to be aware of if you guys do have you know fear of heights or anything. But you are strapped in. You do have a safety harness that goes over top of you. Um, I, I just I really love this one because it's not as. Uh, I don't want to say not as thrilling, but it's not as intense, I guess, as Flight of Passage. 
this is more of like you mentioned a slow moving one. You just go through different scenes of different countries and famous places that we all recognize from books and places. Um, I really love the fact that you smell certain areas when you go through, like when you go yeah. through Africa. I need you guys places. to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, you, you really like. There's certain parts where you go through Africa and the the elephant throws up dirt in the air. It smells like I just cut my grass. Um, and then there's certain other times where you're going through this ride, like you, you smell it. So it, it really does have that smell of vision feel to it. Uh, and then there are certain, you know, things, there's a hidden Mickey in there. That's really, you know, you got to time it right to see. Um, it's just a good ride and it's, you know, it's, it's a classic for Epcot. Um, but it quickly became a family favorite. Because once you hit that 40 mark, it's something everybody can do and everybody really needs to do because it's just that good of a ride. It is. And like I said, it's super gentle. Like the worst part is the height uh, issue for some people, but it's super gentle, super fun. Um, And it's really cool to be able to see some of these like amazing icons from around the world. I will say, though, the first time for first time visitors, it is kind of confusing to find this attraction. Because you, yeah. you go in living with the land pavilion and then you got to go down the stairs. And even when you go in the stair down the stairs, then you, you see the store and sign, but then there's all these different doors and everything right next to you. You're like, okay, where do I go in? Yeah. So, um, that, that, that's my only drawback with this one. And it's not even that big of a deal. It has nothing to do with the ride itself. It's just trying to find it, you know, it's, it's, but anything in that living with the land, you got to go up and down steps or up the ramps and it's just kind of. <laughs> got so many different things in that small area, that little hub, um, you know, but it's, it's a good attraction. It really is. It's like, you know, there's a reason why it was one of the hardest to get fast passes at uh, Epcot between that frozen and test track. It was, it was very hard to get those fast passes for that one. Yeah. It's one of the, like, we, we will often do it twice in a day if we can. Yeah. If you, yep. you know, if you can get there early in the morning for the lines too long and then maybe later in the evening as it starts to drop back down. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. very cool. It is. So, so we got Peter Pan's flight and Soren. Definitely two rides that you guys need to do, uh, which I mean, every ride that we've mentioned on this, you got to do that. So otherwise we would not have mentioned them. So. Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. So now we're going to talk about our little piece of extra magic to uh mm-hmm. to your vacation and um this one does come with a little bit of a price tag but it is so 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 worth it and we're talking about character meals um you and i both love character meals not only for the characters but for the food itself and a character meal does many many different things for you while on vacation um you can do these on you know in the theme parks or you can do them at your resorts a lot of the resorts have these character meals with them as well Um, it's quick access to your favorite Disney characters. Each restaurant provides an opportunity to sit down, cool off, eat a good meal, uh, recharge, save some precious time by letting the characters come to you versus going to them and waiting in the line to interact with them. Uh, you get to see some of your favorite characters in unique outfits. Uh, we'll talk about some of those in a minute, but, uh, and then the characters are often able to provide a better interaction with guests because they're not focused on the next person in line also. They are at your table. They interact with you. They they goof off with you about what you're wearing, what you're eating, uh, different things like that. It's it's just a wonderful opportunity for these character, characters to get up and close and personal with you, uh, whether it's a face character or, or um, 
one of your fur characters, but they, like I said, they have, they have an opportunity to really do some different things there. And like I said, they're coming to you. So you're not going and waiting in line, standing up in the sun or whatever. Uh, you're sitting down eating and it's like, they come to you. They spend a good couple of minutes at your table before they move on to the different one. And they're always rotating. So you always have a character within a couple of minutes of your table. It's so good to be able to do this. Like I said, on a rest day, whether you're just taking a break from the park, whether you've been at the park for a long day and you're sitting down eating dinner, um, breakfast before you go to the park. Some of these have that option. Uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity. Some of our favorite ones, we've talked about Garden Grill a lot on this podcast. We talked about Chef Mickey's last week. Uh, we've talked about Topolino's Terrace. Um, my we favorite. We haven't really talked about Hollywood and Vine. We haven't talked about Hollywood and Vine. So in, with these character meals, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, you have a different couple different ways that you can do this. You can do the buffet version. You can uh, or, or do the family style. Uh, the buffets are Chef Mickey's, Hollywood and Vine, uh, Tusker House, and Akershush over uh, Royal Banquet Hall in Epcot. Um, those all are in the parks except for Chef Mickey's. Uh, you have Garden Grill, Topolino's Terrace, uh, 1900 Park and Fair. Uh, and then um, one of my favorites that's not available right now is Storybook Dining with Snow White and the Evil Queen. Um, those are all your sit down table service, uh, not table service, um, family style or order off a menu options at garden grill. We've talked about how they come out in their little farm, uh, outfits, chef Mickey's they're in their chef's attire, Hollywood and vine. They are walking the red carpet for, uh, lunch and dinner. And then in the morning, I guess Hollywood and vine, we need to explain Hollywood and vine is, um, yeah. Disney junior characters in the morning. For breakfast mm -hmm. and then lunch and dinner, it is uh, mini, um, goofy, mini Mickey, Pluto, goofy, sometimes Donald. Okay, I, I couldn't remember if it was Donald or Daisy yeah. that was there on occasion, uh, yeah. but they are in their red carpet attire, so they're dressed a little bit more fancy. Um, well, and actually, so right now they're doing seasonal dying too, so they're in their oh, that's right Halloween costumes at that's the moment. Right. They are so they are seasonal dying will switch from Halloween to Christmas, and then they'll go from their Halloween costumes to their their Christmas costumes or festival. Mm -hmm. Yep, festive holiday dress, I guess. That's help. right. Um, Tusker House, they're in their uh, safari attire. Topolino's I love Harris. Safari Donald. He's actually pretty. He's pretty. Cool. I, he's. I don't know. I don't know if I love Safari Donald more or. Um, the um, where he's wearing the sombrero and the um, blanket. Oh, over in Mexico, the, the Serapi. Um, yeah, yes. Um, I can't figure out which one of those is my favorite, to be honest. So, yeah, they're they're both good. Although Halloween Donald's Donald hilarious when he's in his big pumpkin costume. That was pretty funny. Uh, Topolino's Terrace. You have they're all in their uh, arts attire. Uh, as if they are painting and doing sculptures and things like that. Yeah. Minnie's uh, dress is like made out of newspapers. It's very French. Very French. It, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Akershush, we haven't talked a whole lot about, you know, about because they haven't, it's not open. That is one. If you have a princess fan, it is Cinderella's table is really hard to get into. Akershush is a little easier. Um, you have all your favorite princesses there with Belle and her yellow gown. They greet you at the door. It is some really, really good food. And if you can knock out those characters at that uh, character meal versus going and spending 15, 20 minutes in line for each one of them around Epcot, 
you're saving yourself a whole lot of time and you're getting some really, really good food at that one. Yeah, that one's on my list to go back to once they come back to. I haven't done that one. Like, it, you know, it's not that I don't like to do it, but it was princesses and we don't have mm-hmm. kids. And I was like, oh, I don't know we needed princesses. But yeah, I've heard a whole lot about the food. We need to go do that yeah. one. And then you also have Ohana, um, which is not on the list. Uh, but uh, Ohana has Stitch that greets you at the door. Lilo, um, Pluto, and Mickey as well. And if you have a, a someone in your family who's like us that loves the Asian style food, uh, this is one of the best restaurants on property. Uh, Ohana means noodles. Dinner, yeah. <laughs> Which I, they they try to change their noodles, and the Disney people stepped like all the Disney fans stepped up, said absolutely not, we're not having any of this. Fix it, and Disney did. Yeah, I'm glad to uh, see that. There was a big uproar when they came back yeah. uh, with a menu with no noodles on it, and everybody yeah. kind of threw a fit, but yeah. it worked. Noodles are back. Breakfast. Breakfast is phenomenal there. Um, dinner is phenomenal there. I don't know. I, I have a hard time picking which one of these character meals is my favorite because they're all different. We talked about Trattoria Al Forno earlier. Um, I don't know. I, I want to say maybe Akershush or Ohana, but it, I, it's so hard to choose one. Garden Grill is phenomenal. It all depends on what kind of food you're looking for because all these menus yeah. are different. Uh, and whether you want buffet or just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they're so hard to choose from. There, there are so many good choices, um, and it's good to see more coming back. We did get another buffet back at the Magic Kingdom. Um, the characters didn't come back to it yet. There was there was a character dying at uh, Crystal Palace, oh, yeah. which was Winnie the Pooh and Friends. Yeah, yeah, yep. Winnie the Pooh and Friends was there. So that um, just is in the process of switching back from um, family style to buffet, but we haven't heard about the characters coming back yet. So yeah. hopefully soon. And that doesn't include be our guest. If you include be our guest as a character dining, whether whether yeah, you do or not, be- I mean, beast. The beast, yeah, the beast is there, makes an appearance. So I don't know. I mean, lots of good choices for character dinings, but it's also one of those things. Like I said, it was easier when you had the meal plan to do character dinings. Um, we imagine the meal plan is coming back sometime next year, but uh, we have no word on that. But if it does. You know, you get the meal plan. It's a lot easier to do the character diners because then you don't feel like you're paying the forty to fifty dollars for these meals. But like I said it's really good food. You're going to spend a lot of money eating anyway. You might as well sit down in the air conditioning, get some really good food, and then get that character interaction as well because your kids are going to remember it every time they go, or you'll remember it every time you go. I mean, we had um, we had Garden Grill not too long ago. You and I did it with some other people, and it was. Uh-huh. Uh, it was really, really cool to see Pluto kind of stick his head over and try to eat somebody's food. And uh, <laughs> it was just, it's just really cool experience. All of them. They're all Absolutely. different. Yeah. Very fun. Very fun. Cool. So um, we got through all of those fun things. Um, great attractions, great restaurant, great resort. Um, character meals are awesome. Only Another five great, left. Great things. Yeah. Five more. What's going to make the list? You guys got to tune in next week and find out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, before we get too far uh, out of this episode, we do have some news for you guys. So a couple of cool things happening around. Finally, 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 finally. (laughs) This has been like, you know, two, almost two years in the wait. Um, Space 220 has finally opened. Um, If you're not following the blogs and things and you don't know what's going on with Space 220, Space 220 is the space-themed restaurant 
in Epcot over in Future World. Um, it's kind of attached to Mission Space in between, um, you know, where Guardians of the Galaxy is going and Test Track. So just to the left of Test Track. Um, space 220 is a space-themed restaurant. You go in and you board sort of an elevator to space. And um, it's a, a, what do you call it? A simulated ele- elevator mm-hmm. ride um, up to space to a space station. And uh, the space station opens and you get to go onto the space station and um, have a nice meal looking out the windows at the curvature of Earth. So like it's as if you're orbiting Earth in a space station for a meal. Um, the place looks great. I love the videos and, and photos and things we've seen of it. It looks great. Food looks really cool. Um, it's a little more expensive than some of the others right now. It's, a, it's like $79 for adults and $30, I think, for kids. Um, and it is a price fix menu. So that's it's it. It's That's the price. Uh, and then you get to pick whatever you want off the menu. Um, the food does look really good, though. I'll, yeah. Everything I've seen for the food looks really good. Um, and I've heard some pretty good reviews of most of it, too. So... Yeah, finally. So excited that's happened. Yeah. That's great. Blaine uh, Blaine was a little upset with me one day because he saw the food. Actually, when it came out, he saw pictures of the food and he said, you told me it was going to be astronaut food. (laughs) You really think Disney was going to serve you astronaut food, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Freeze-dried goo? Probably not. Probably just just add hot water. Yeah. Uh, it's not even some of those, some of those, it's just like, just suck it out of the tube, but yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I don't think we want to spend that kind of money for that. Um, no, it looks amazing. Um, I, I definitely have this one on our list. When we go back, we got to go try it out. Um, the view out the windows looks cool. I think it looks cool. I love space and stuff. So that's probably the closest I'll get to going to space. So, all right, I'm down. I'm down. I have. I'm hoping when we go in January, we'll be able to get reservations that some of the, uh, some of the, the hype about it will kind of die down a little bit, but I'm not too optimistic. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. We'll get, well, there'll be several of us. We'll get a shot. Yeah. We'll get a shot. Yeah. Um, another little bit of, um, space kind of themed news. Um, standby Q, standby Q for the rise of the resistance. So since rise of the resistance has opened, the only way to get on this ride has been through their virtual queue. But as of September 23rd, if you're listening to this yesterday, um, as of September 23rd, the virtual queue is being paused and they are allowing guests to just enter the standby line like any other attraction. That's amazing. I want to see how that goes. I know there was a whole uproar about this, but we reported a couple of weeks ago that people were able to get boarding groups up until right before the park closed. Yeah. I imagine this, this queue issue has only come about because the parks are, I mean, there's, it's a ghost town in, yeah. on Sundays. So why would you continue to put out boarding groups if you're not being able to go through them fully throughout the day anyway? This has been my whole issue with Rise of the Resistance from the very beginning is that not every guest is guaranteed the opportunity to ride this ride. Right. I agree. And you you spend all this money, especially for Star Wars people. If you go for the true Star Wars experience, which is the lightsabers, Ogas, um, the droids, Rise of the Resistance, you're spending a good amount of money and time and energy 
and then you don't have the opportunity to ride the biggest attraction that they have. Yeah, I, I love the fact now that everybody has the opportunity to do this. We'll see how long this stays. Um, but I, I imagine like, when it gets busy, busy, it's going to come back well, to like they, virtual queue. I feel like for the longest time, Universal was trying to copy Disney. And now mm-hmm. I feel like it's backwards and Disney's trying to copy Universal. Universal has been doing this with Hagrid's since Hagrid's opened. Yeah. Where after the wait got to about an hour and a half long or whatever, then they say, okay, virtual queue only at this point. So yeah. I can see Disney doing something very, very similar or with their park passes and the Genie Plus and all that coming out. They can say, okay, we know on these days we're going to be busier. We're going to do boarding groups on these days. Right. So. And I think that's part of um, keeping the park pass system around. You know, mm-hmm. it's giving them an idea of how many guests to expect in the morning, things like that, so they can staff correctly and how to plan the day for things like yep. a virtual queue or standby queue. Um, I really don't see the park pass going away probably no. through at least 2022. No. He made a statement the other day. I, I think they're staying. He made a statement the other day about how it's the backbone of theme parks right now. And I was like, eh, you're the only ones doing it. So I don't know if you can say it's the backbone, but yeah, but uh, other places aren't running four theme parks at a time. That's true. So, Just, so we yeah, shall I think see. it's cool. Exactly. So, so, I'm excited about November 12th because that is Disney plus day. Um, mm-hmm. Disney has announced that on Disney plus day, they're going to be releasing several new things uh, to their streaming service. Uh, some of the ones that are going to be out are uh, Marvel studios, Shang Chi, Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, Disney's jungle cruise, uh, Olaf presents uh, a couple of different Pixar things, uh, a st- special star Wars look, and then a Marvel special look. Uh, plus many, many other options. They've got a Simpsons show coming on. Um, I love it when they release new content. I especially love it when they release new content in a bundle like this because it gives you so many things to look forward yep. to. Plan on taking off if you're not, you know, if you're not working from home, <laughs> plan on taking off November 12th. Uh, checking all the new I'll stuff out. On, yeah, I'll be on checking a lot of things out. We don't have any dates yet on Obi-Wan. We don't have any dates yet on um, Mandalorian or uh, WandaVision or anything like that. I don't know what these special looks are going to be for Marvel and Star Wars. So I'm kind of excited about, you know, seeing what those are. Uh, but lots of things coming to Disney Plus uh, on Disney Plus Day. And, you know, I'm glad they, they keep adding to it because. Yeah, it's we, growing. The library is growing. Yeah, and we I know my family just continues to fly through everything that they have on there. So mm-hmm. but, uh, another big change that's coming is coming to Mickey's for Philhar Magic, uh, which is going to be closed from October 11th through November 11th. So about two months. No, one month. Um, and it's for the Coco update, which we announced a couple uh, episodes back. I'm excited for this because Coco doesn't have a presence really in... Um, anywhere at Walt Disney World. They've, they've removed him from the Epcot Pavilion at the moment. I love the Coco storyline. I think it needs to be represented. I think Mexican heritage needs to be represented a little bit more. Uh, and Philhar Magic, I think, is a perfect opportunity to do that because the Coco movie is based around music, and that's what the Philhar Magic is. And it's a little, it's a cute show. It needs an upgrade. And so I think Coco is the perfect one to add in there for it. It is. It's. It'll be a, a new, fresh scene. So it's great to see those. Um, I, I think this is actually a pretty cool attraction. 
Yeah. Um, I I like Philharmagic. It's it's a great air conditioned place to take a little bit of a break. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool. We don't do it every time, but we when we do do it, the kids like it. It's just it's a time thing, you know. Um, so if it's got a short wait, we'll do it. But if it's over 20 minutes, we'll usually skip it. But most of the time it has less than a 20 minute wait. And that's only because the show is about 10 minutes long. Yeah. If you just miss it or if it's full, then you'd have one cycle or so, but yeah. 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 Good to have that come in. It. That's very cool. Um, the other thing we have for you this week is, um, Disney's announced the All-Star Sports Resort is going to remain closed for the time being. So we had almost every resort back um, in September, and uh, they've decided to hold off on All-Star Sports. So I think that's just going to be staffing issues and what's going on still. Um, well, I think they announced that they're going to they're going to uh, refurbish it. Yeah, that would make sense, too. So. No. The other other um, all stars have kind of gone through their their refurb and gotten the new um, trundle beds. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, like refurbishment and staffing, I think you know th- there's some issues going on. We're waiting to find out, you know, what's going to happen with Disney and mandating that their staff get vaccinated, yeah. whether you like it or not. Um, you know, they're they're trying to see. Who's going to go? Who's going to stay? What's going to happen? Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's always yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well, that just about brings us to another episode end this time. So we want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, send us your comments and your thoughts. Uh, catch us next time as we finish off our um, series inspired by 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom, talking about five more of our favorite things around the Walt Disney World Resort. And as you know, as your mouse experts, we're here to help answer all your Disney Universal questions and help you prepare for your next magical vacation, wherever that destination may be, Disney or otherwise. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anyone who might as well. We're always looking to grow our audience and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode when it drops. Uh, Don't forget all of our information is available in our uh, comment section and the contact information of our show. And as, as always, we end every episode with a quote. And I had a hard time choosing last week's quote, whether I wanted to go Snow White or Tower of Terror. So this week I decided to go with the Tower of Terror quote, even though we didn't talk about <laughs> it. And it really comes from the Twilight Zone series. Uh, but it's easy enough to be pleasant when life hums along like a song. But the man worthwhile is the man who smiles when everything goes dead wrong. So True. Yeah. True. Got to keep a smile on your face. Keep plugging along. Yep. So, and we'll be plugging along next week as we wrap this series up, like you said, Alan. And then we're on to October and starting something new. Yep. Very excited. Thank you guys for listening and catch us next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>